The following program was produced by a community producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the community producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. Welcome to Malden 02148. I'm your ghost. I'm your host, not your ghost. Your host this evening, Ed Lucy. You know, there's a lot of uh, work that that goes into putting programs together. And those of you that take the time to whether you're watching national television or watching the MATV, um, most of the people that uh, are involved in the success of these program situations locally and nationally are not out in front, but in for you to visibly be involved with. And I have tonight, uh, just to kind of bring a little bit more current on one of the people that's behind the camera that makes these uh, shows uh, successful and you can do it oftentimes on a voluntary basis. And one of whom this evening is Ming. Hi. He's doing our uh, a program and, he, and I asked him if he could kind of come aboard and uh, talk a little bit about how we ended up in Malden, uh, because you live where? I live in Austin. Austin, yeah. and your, your background educationally? Um, I'm, I go to Emerson College, yeah. So, uh, I think you told me you're a junior, you'll be graduating next, yeah. next year. Uh, yeah. And how long have you been coming to Malden on my TV? Um, I've been come here, coming here like since, like the, um, since May, uh, and I've been here for, like I guess, like four weeks. Four yeah. weeks? Yeah. Uh, and how did you connect from uh, uh, Emerson's College in Boston? You live in Alston. Yeah. And you're in Marlin. How did you connect up with MATV? So I just met, um, I met um, Guillermo, Guillermo at um, a, um internship um, fair at Emerson uh, um, in the previous semester. And I, so I, I, sent him, I gave him my resume, and he sent, he sent me with uh, emails and instructions on how to apply for the internship. Um, and so, um, I, so I, I applied. Um, I did an interview with Ann, and now, and now, yeah, I'm here. Now you're here. In fact, um, now this is the first time you've done this show. Uh, no, this is like my first time being on camera. I mean, I've oh. been, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I've been, I've been doing like, um, you know, behind the cameras uh, work. Uh, I mean, uh, what do you mean? This particular show. This yeah, this is my first time uh, yeah, being on, on, cam on camera, yeah. One of the other things that um, he mentioned to me, which I find interesting, that um, your background is you were born in Vietnam. Yeah. And you, you, you've been, uh, you came here what age? I'm like 17. 17. Yeah. And, and what's your major in school? Uh, so I, I'm a, I do journalism at Emerson College, yeah. And uh, hopefully what are your plans when you graduate? Um, I'm pr probably going to um, apply to work uh, in at any like <coughs> pleasure um, at any other TV station or like um, multimedia company um, where, where I can do like you know some broadcasting or like multimedia stories, yeah. um, you know, every day. So yeah. Well, I <coughs> now do you have siblings? Yeah, I have a sister. She's in Houston, Texas. Yeah. And she's older than you. Uh, she's like eight, eight years older than me. So yeah. Sorry, nine. Yeah. I, um, I'm like, yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I always find it interesting because one of the other interns that, that does something similar to my Ming does is that uh, he's from, he, he lives in Austin, but uh, she lives in Belsatown. She commutes from there to do, in fact, she's, she's here today, but she's, uh, she's on another assignment later on. And again, it's the kind of a thing where anybody out there that among the younger people, if you think you have some interest in communications or in television or just in some of the, whether in front of the camera or behind the camera, if you have some interest, there's, there's opportunities for volunteers here. And the important thing is that um, there are training kind of situations where 
you can end up getting people to help you learn if, you, if you're not really tuned into some of the things. Now, he's had some advantages going to uh, uh, college and preparing for the future. And welcome to 02148. I'm Ed Lucy, your host for the evening. And my first guest is Ming, who I uh, met for the first time here, who is the um, uh, man behind the camera for this show, not only here uh, at 7 o'clock, but also other shows that he does. He mentioned to me earlier that you've, you're a college student yeah. at Emerson. Yeah, I go to Emerson College. And, and you're a junior going to be a senior in the fall. Yes. And your major? And um, I'm a multimedia journalism major. Uh, okay, yeah. and that uh, I think you had mentioned you've been here since uh, May. Uh, yeah, I mean since May. Yeah, I, I, one of the things I find interesting is that um, when I first met him, was, which was the first time this evening, um, not only he's not a Moldonian, but he was born in Vietnam. <laughs> so he's come a long way to not only Malden uh, but to, to Massachusetts and. Uh, uh, again, as he mentioned, he's going to be a senior this coming year. But um, I, I, I just, for curiosity, say, how did you end up from Alston to uh, uh, Malden for the MATV uh, program? So I met Guillermo at uh, a internship uh, um, all fairly last uh, last semester. So I gave him my resume, and uh, he replied me with the inst instruction on how to apply for the internship. So I didn't. I, I sent my application to Anne, and I did the. Um, job interview with him and so now I'm so I got so I so that's how I got into MTV and yeah. uh, now w w just for curiosity before you uh, did all that through your resume, resume project what did you know about Malden um, I mean um, I mean I, I I used to live in Malden for like one semester like near Oak Grove um, oh yeah for one session it's uh, kind of like um, it's kind of um, it's kind of like a livable place but the, o the, the only thing that kind of like annoys me about morning it's just, it's just like the transportation during the rush hour especially like um, because I usually uh, take the train uh, the or the or the T from Oak Grove like to Boyson like every morning uh, yeah. and the then like, I I mean I, I miss like a couple of trains um, uh, you know because the morning because like the, um, because like the orange light was just too crowded so I have to wait for the second uh, second train so that's the only thing about morning that kind of bugs me but but I know I, I, I have, a, have a lot of good memories uh, about Martin. Yeah. yeah. But you, you said you lived here for one semester in school? Uh, yeah. I mean, I rented a room um, in uh, near Oak Grove. Um, yeah. And I lived there for like one semester. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, <coughs> of course, Martin, um, since you're a fairly new visitor, tourist, and a, temp a temporary resident, uh, has changed a lot over the years. Yeah. And one of the biggest things that's made it attractive for a lot of people is the uh, public transportation because yeah. obviously if, if and you mentioned Oak Grove and that was where I think within the city the first uh, evidence of a lot of new people coming to live in Marlin they, ca they came to Oak Grove and to a great degree uh, one of the motivating things was the public transportation yeah uh, the um, um, when you first came to this country now you would have gone where to California uh, I, I so I first came to like um, to Chicago and then I, um, I I uh, spent one semester studying at um, uh, at, a, at a university in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah. And bef bef uh, after that, I uh, so I studied there for like one semester, and then I transferred to Emerson College um, because I thought Boston would be, uh, you know, would have would have a lot more opportunities for me. So, um, so yeah, that's it. That's about it. Uh, well, you now you you certainly must be familiar with Boston now, having been yeah. there for several years. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to watch and a lot to see and a lot yeah, of, yeah, yeah. a lot of places to go to and and um, um, and in Malden, uh, obviously, uh, you you'll be what? Will you plan to stay through through the next uh, school year, or do you have uh, or may you do something else doing part of the way through the year instead of coming here as a volunteer? Uh, so I'm I'm I see I'm. 
I'm, I'm gonna be like graduating like on May 2020 so I'm gonna be here uh, for around a couple of um, so like for at least like two years okay um uh, I mean I'm still gonna live in uh but I'm gonna live in like South uh, in uh, South Boston like next year um so it's gonna be a new place for me but um but um so yeah I'm gonna be around Boston for like Two years at least. Yeah. Did you find once you came here that the, the, with the uh, support you had from the staff here that it really kind of helped you involve yourself in the in the equipment and what you need to do and how the things work? Yeah, I was ta uh, I was tasked with um, you know um, you know doing field work and doing like um, in studio um, and like doing post productions and Haley yeah. and uh, was that was very um, um, helpful with. Um, um, you know, was showing me how uh, around, and um, kind of like she taught me a lot uh, on using like Final Cut Pro, and Guillermo was like, um, you know, was um, yeah, Guillermo was also helpful. Um, you know, you know, showing me like how to use like all these like equipments in the studio room, and so that I can like operate as as some sort of like a one man like a one man TV station uh, behind a camera. Yeah. So yeah. I uh, I know uh, <laughs> if uh, if you do this long enough, uh, you'll find that um, since uh, the programming oftentimes is done live, but this show, for instance, is done live and then it's run again on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. Um, that um, things happen that you don't expect, that sometimes yeah. things uh, catch you off guard, and uh, and sometimes you have to be prepared for the unexpected. So yeah. it's, it's a good training, and um, and part of the reason I, I asked him if he'd sit in here for just a few minutes is that um, it's just to uh, maybe give you all out there a chance to think a little bit about anybody you may know, whether they're young in age or they're someone that could even sometimes people that are looking forward to retiring and thinking what they're going to do with their extra time. MATV might be a good option to consider because there's 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 type of things that you can do at any given age, and sometimes it's a challenge for us to have you here. But more important than that is uh, it's a challenge for you. And but at the same time, there's a lot of uh, good options and enjoyable things that that are part of this programming. And since um, much of what gets accomplished it depends on the volunteers and the support of the people in the community. And you don't necessarily even have to live in Malden to be here uh, helping out, as as he suggested. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, one of the other uh, volunteers uh, commutes from Belchertown, which is a, as you can envision, is not exactly around the corner. But uh, anyway, well, thanks for stopping in. And now, in the meantime, he's going to go back to the real world and and run the camera while I continue on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank <laughs> you very much for coming aboard. Yeah. Incidentally. Um, I had a I had a guest schedule and, and and they may still appear but uh, there w there was a um, and I didn't get wind of it or became aware of it until uh, sometime today earlier that there's a, a public meeting uh, dealing with the school board meeting at uh, and the superintendent of schools at the uh, um, Salemwood School and that has to do with a part of the agenda today is uh, is regarding the uh, the change on the schedule for the following. Uh, year coming in September that uh, the Salem Board along with uh, a couple of other schools here more that had what they had they call extended day which students stayed an extra hour to, this was till 3.30 and hopefully the intent was that by having a longer day uh, they would have a, um, an opportunity to broaden their uh, curriculum choices and and, uh, and, and and increase their proficiency in the various subjects that uh, you take in order to uh, progress from um, the middle school to the high school to graduation and hopefully maybe even into college. But it seems that um, the decision was made by the faculty uh, on a vote to um, revert to the uh, other school schedule, which is to have the students get discharged at 2.30. So that's not the only reason for that meeting at the Salemwood, but I'm, I'm thinking um, it might very well be well attended and an extended meeting because I, I, it could very well be in spite of all the efforts to, to reach out to parents and across the city to alert them about the scheduled meeting and one of the items on the, on the schedule is that um, parents, to some degree, may have been caught off guard to, to find out that this coming year, this 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 child who would be attending the Salem Ward would be leave uh, at the end of the day be two thirty instead of three thirty. So uh, that's probably going to make some difference in the way people play the plan their own schedule. So uh, 
I don't know. Maybe when all the dust settles in that uh, meeting, that maybe they'll they'll review that. But that's a, the decision was made not by the administration. Basically, it was by the the, the faculty itself, which voted um, in a in a process to. Uh, Revert to the day, as I mentioned, at the end of two thirty. So we'll see what happens. Um, a couple of public announcements. One, one was very interesting. In fact, it's tomorrow. So if you see the show Saturday on on a, on a rerun, it'll be it'll be too late. But there's a there's a summer reading kickoff ice cream party, and it's Thursday. It's tomorrow. It's from one to two thirty. It's at the Mall and Public Library at thirty six Salem Street. And, and this event is made possible through the generosity and the, and the donations made by Dairy Delight, which is uh, on 766 Main Street in Malden. And what it is is that um, it's a reading program for, for the summer schedule, and the first one is tomorrow. And if you bring along your children, it's 1 to 2.30, um, there, there are free ice cream. So that may be an inducement, but also... Uh, Kind of what happens, well, you get to the end of the school year, and in the first rush of things, um, it seems like you get lots of things to do, but young people being young people, at some point, uh, you have to go to work, and you have to maintain your uh, business schedule. In the meantime, the, the children um, have an option if they're home. What am I going to do today? Well, in the beginning, they have lots of things to do. Clean their room, get ready for the warm weather, on and on and on. But then as the summer progresses, they find sometimes they're bored because uh, they don't have a lot planned for that day. So this, for instance, is one example of where you can go to a reading program at the at the uh, Malden Public Library and uh, you can c reconnect with the, with the children you go, uh, or your children can reconnect with other students that they attend school with. But it also is kind of a way for them to, to, to put their time to productive use in between the things they do for fun. The other thing that's also available is that, and that starts uh, after the holiday, the Marlin Public School Summer Food Service Program, they have sites across the city where uh, you have an opportunity for the children, if you when they qualify, to get um, a breakfast or lunch or both. And, uh, and this um, is provided for all children, regardless of race, color, national origin, sex, age, or disability, and there will be no discrimination in the course of the meal service. Now, as an example, on um, at Malden High School, starting the 8th, of July, which is of course after the holiday, and it runs for six weeks through the August 16th. You can get a breakfast from 8:20 to 9 o'clock. This is at Malden High School cafeteria, and then you get lunch from 11:30 to 12:30. So you can get a tufa if you really want to. There's four other sites. One of them, which is Cardamonte Park, which is on Mountain Avenue next to the post office. Ambridge Park, which in the corner of Fellsway East and Highland Avenue, Lincoln Common, corner of Cross and Bryan Street, and Newman Park, which is at 150 Cross Street in Malden. Um, those also run from the 8th of July to August 16th. And uh, where the Malden High School program is only Monday through Thursday, those four sites, Collymore League, Ambridge Park, Lincoln Common, and Newman Park, they run from uh, more than uh, those six weeks from Monday to Friday. And um, they give you lunch. Uh, the one at the Cardamon League is 11 to 12. Ambridge Park is 11.15 to 12.15. Lincoln Common is 11.30 to 12.30. And Newman Park is 11.45 to 12.45. So th those are opportunities for you. For your children to go down the park, get get some activity and, and exercise, and at the same time get either lunch or breakfast, depending on the site. There's also um, enrolled sites, uh, which is uh, again a summer food f program, and um, there is an income uh, requirement for that, and that's that's the February school is 150 Cross Street. That's August second from July eighth. So that's a, that's a, a, a month basically. That's Monday through Friday. Breakfast again is eight twenty to nine o'clock, and lunch is eleven thirty to twelve thirty. That's for the, for the Furway School on one fifty Cross Street. They have uh, at the two fifty seven Mountain Avenue. Again, it's it's uh, August. It's August first, and it starts July eighth. Uh, 
That's Monday through Thursday. There's no Friday, but it's the same time for breakfast, 8.20 to 9 o'clock. Lunch is 11.30 to 12.30. Linden School on Westcott Street down the Linden section. That's Monday through Thursday. It's it's the, uh, July 8th to August 1st. The same schedule, 8.30 to 9 o'clock for breakfast, and lunch is 11.30 to 12.30. The Forestdale School on Sylvan Street, same schedule. It's uh, That runs Monday through Friday from the 8th of July to August 2nd. Same schedule for breakfast, 8.20 to 9 o'clock, and same same schedule for Zella Parks for, for lunch from 11.30 to 12.30. And uh, Kids Place was 77 Kennedy Drive, so that would be more focused on maybe children in the Linden area, uh, up in the uh, Kennedy Drive area. That's, again, the 8th of July to the August 16th. That's for six weeks. It's Monday to Friday. Breakfast is 8 to 9, and lunch is 12 to 1. You also have a program at 380 Pleasant Street. It's room 23, and it's August uh, ends the 16th of August from July 8th, so that's a six-week program. And it's Monday through Friday. I guess maybe it's a five-week program if I do my math quick. And that's 12.30 to 1.30. And the final one is the the, uh, the Chinese Cultural Connection on Washington Street, 26 Washington Street. And that starts the 5th of August and ends the 16th of August. That's a two-week program. And breakfast is 8.20 to 9 o'clock. And lunch is 12 to 1 o'clock. And that's for Monday through Friday. Now, th- that is a um, an income-eligible program. But, uh, interesting enough, they show it as households of one. I can't quite figure out why they'd have. I mean, that's just um, uh, a program for food services, but it wouldn't apply here because if uh, if you're talking about someone that's young, then in reality the one household member would not work out because uh, they need an adult to look after but. For, for just for a quick example, a household of two people, so that would be, uh, let's say, a child and an adult, and if your income is 30400 or less, you're eligible. Uh, three people in a household, it's over. It's less than 39000 Four people, it's about a little over 46000 Obviously, what go, it goes up depending on the number in the family. And if if you have eight in the family, you can have an income of almost eighty thousand and still be eligible for this weekly program. So again, if you if you have any questions, there are sources to contact that'll give you the information. But it starts next Monday, and um, it's been an ongoing program over the years, and it's um, it also gives kids an opportunity to get out in the fresh air. It gives them a chance to get nutritious food and, and meals, either one or once or twice a day, and they're not. They're not committed. It's a first-come, first-served basis, so uh, it's it's really a flex schedule. But it's, it's it's something that works out for uh, the students, and you can top it off. Tomorrow. You can start tomorrow in preparation for next week by by going to the mall and public library and get ice cream. And I'm going to repeat that one more time, which is between the uh, the time of one o'clock to two th- to two thirty, and it's a summer kickoff reading program. You know, there's a lot goes on in, in people's lives that um, sometimes are positive, sometimes they're negative. But um, I just ran into experience with a friend of mine, and uh, she happened to be telling me in some detail that um, her relationship with her husband was such that he was the he was the one that was on the computer, he was the organized one, and that uh, he took care of. All, Lots and lots of the kinds of things that people have to deal with on a daily basis, and whether it's maybe using Amazon to order something, it's also uh, an occasion where you have bills to pay, or you have reasons why you have to follow up with a problem with your television or a, or a bank statement or a, a credit card item that you're a little confused on. So all of a sudden, um, with his health deteriorating and all, all of a sudden she was thrust into the point where. Without having any kind of a, a concern previously about dealing with all those kinds of things that which are part of everybody's life, about the bank statements and about the whether direct deposits and how the bills are paid and all those other kinds of things, and, uh, and, and, and in, in reality, to, to some degree, how much money is they carry in the checking account? What are some of the things that they own that the, she should be aware of? So it ended up. I came across a list and. Um, 
The first and probably the most, most important of them all is gather financial papers, store deeds, passports, insurance policies, estate documents, and the latest statements from financial accounts in a fireproof box at home where survivors can easily find them. Think about um, the simple things about passports. Think about the things about um, uh, uh, account numbers sometimes. That's a problem if you ever try to, try to uh, access somebody's information, even if they were there, if they don't have that uh, account number, how difficult sometimes is to get the uh, 800 number to respond to your request. The second thing, make a must-call list. And that's, and again, very important. Compile contact information for your accountant, for your lawyer, and other financial professionals who need to be contacted when a spouse dies. Share passwords. This is one where uh, is, is most difficult sometimes to uh, access information. Keep a master list of all user names and passwords so that your spouse can still have access after your death. Uh, it's striking stories, and uh, Bitcoins have become a big uh, thing in, in the financial world, and maybe it's... Um, the thing of the future, although it's had a bumpy ride in the last couple of years as far as the value of, of those um, uh, as purchases if you're buying Bitcoins. But um, there are some that the person either lost information sources telling them what their password was to get at their own Bitcoins. And the result is those are literally like in a black hole or lost in space. And... Um, there was one story that was uh, a while back in the newspaper where they, uh, it was a substantial amount of money involved in bitcoins, and um, for reasons unknown uh, to the article writer, the person lost his, his source because some of these um, passwords are, are extended. You know, they're not like your, um, the year, date of birth, and the and the month, and, and the day. It, it, they're very complicated kind of passwords, and... Uh, Unfortunately for him, he, he misplaced it, and he's tried uh, for an extended period of time in some fashion to probe in another in different ways to kind of reach to access that that information, and uh, it hasn't been successful. And so at this point, he hasn't been able to get out of his own his own asset. So anyway, that's extremely important. Beneficiaries, make sure beneficiaries designations for your pension or your four hundred one k IRAs brokerage accounts, and life insurance proceeds still reflect your issues. Things change. Uh, sometimes it's a matter of um, personal situations where a death, divorce, uh, could possibly even be a situation where a spouse is um, your beneficiary, but he or she is not even able to responsibly take care of their own affairs. So therefore, another change should be considered in order to protect not only them, but at the same time protect the asset. Check credit cards and, and, and uh, make sure your name is on the credit card account. In most states where your spouse dies, you won't be responsible for any. You won't be responsible for any debt, or on a card that's not in your name. But you also won't be able to use it, and will have to uh, reapply for credit in your own name. And that, um, that again, is the kind of thing where. Uh, um, it gets overlooked if someone has a credit card, maybe multiple credit cards, which is not unusual, and it ended up that the person didn't have his wife on the card. When she contacted the company, they, uh, they alert them uh, to add her name. The first thing they did is they froze his account, and she had to reapply as an individual for her credit for a credit card that he had had for years, and the result was that because her circumstances changed, same, it changed somewhat financial on paper anyway. The uh, the company authorized a card for her, but at, at, at a, not at the same rate, uh, which would, would have been more attractive, and the limits were changed from what her husband had. So again, um, check credit cards. Uh, set up advanced directives. You both will need health care powers of attorney to designate the person you want to make medical decisions on your behalf if you're, in, if you're incapacitated. You also need a living will that spells out what measures you want the doctor to take to prolong your life. That's obviously a very personal thing. Some people are um, uh, are interested in in the, any kind of options that might be available to sustain their life. On the other hand, some other times people's thinking is if the quality of life isn't there, I'd rather not just be in some sort of a semi-conscious uh, 
period of time before I demise. So, uh, and that worse than maybe of that situation is that the burden children on the people next to you to make those decisions for you when you should do it yourself, because that's a difficult choice for but for people that are close to you, particularly your children or your grandchildren. Designate a, a money person. Each of you will need a financial power attorney so you can name a trust person to make money decisions for you if you're unable to do so. Re and certainly you should uh, review wills and trusts. Do this every few years or when there is a significant change in your life, such as a sizable increase or decrease in your finances. If you don't have a will, get one. I I'm amazed um, in talking with people, uh, some of whom have... Um, a reasonably large estates in terms of you add up the property and their retirement plans and their other kinds of of assets that um, they don't have a will. And uh, sometimes they're too busy. Other times, well, I'm young. I don't, I'll think about it later on. And that's and that may be the key to the problem is they want to think about it later because they don't want to make the, t the decision today. But not having a will, particularly if it, it involves assets that go into an estate, where there's probate costs, sometimes there's delay, and there's certainly expenses, um, it would behoove you to, and you don't have to be rich to do that. There are any number of reasons why with property, home, and, and some other assets more due to, you, due to you later in life through retirement or others, other options like that, that you... Uh, make some effort ahead of time because what you do now makes a big difference of what, what happens later on, particularly in, in either delay or expense. Uh, discuss funeral plans. Well, sometimes when people won't make a will, they won't discuss funeral plans, but truly uh, this can save a lot of money because um, uh, oftentimes when those decisions are made as far as the arrangements, they may not con uh, coincide with what you would have done if you had been planning it yourself and whether that's um, the type of uh, ritual you wanted to go through and, and sometimes it's just a matter of what you want to spend and um, doing nothing and leaving it up to other people most times they're going to err on the side of uh, what you want to do would be to go first class and that's not always the best use of, uh, their, you know, of the person's assets and sometimes they're not of a nature to want to do a lot of the extra frills that are part of some people's uh, final uh, ritual, so to speak. So, But tell people ahead of time what you want to do. And and this is important, particularly as they cite the, the couple that I just mentioned whose, whose husband had a uh, feeling health and unable to do what he'd been doing for years. Learn how bills are paid. Keep a list of how bills are paid so the survivor doesn't miss a payment or overdraw an account. And that that can happen uh, with, with this um, situation so common to you, direct deposit. When you pass away, your Social Security check would stop. In some instances, um, at least on a temporary basis, or, or a change in the amount that's paid out on your pension. It could also be a situation where... Um, some other expenses uh, are going to be complicated by uh, a compromise by the fact that the, the change in your liquidity in terms of the, of the money put into your account that pays bills is somehow diminished at the wrong time and ends up uh, some of the bills don't get paid or they get the bills uh, result in returns or charges against your account for added expenses for not having an adequate balance to cover the amount that needed to be paid. So. Think about those things. Plan ahead. I read this um, last year, and I really I think um, if people would pay attention, it has a lot to do with what goes on in life today. This was um, uh, Chief Justice John Roberts speaking at his son's middle, middle school graduation. From time to time in the years to come, I hope you'll be treated unfairly so that you'll come to know the value of justice. I hope that you will suffer betrayal because that will teach you the importance of loyalty. Sorry to say, but I hope you'll be lonely from time to time so that you will you don't take friends for granted. I wish you had luck again, from, bad luck, from time to time so that you will be conscious of the role of chance in life and understand that your success is not completely deserved and that the failure of others is not completely deserved either. 
And when you lose, as you will from time to time, I hope every now and then your opponent will gloat over your failure. It is a way for you to understand the importance of sportsmanship. I hope you'll be ignored as you know the importance of listening to others. And I hope that you'll have enough pain to learn compassion. Whether I wish these things or not, they're going to happen. And whether you benefit, you benefit from them or not will depend on your ability to see the message in your misfortune. And I, I, I think that's so true in life. Sometimes people who um, have have been not a charm life, but have had been able to move along through the various stages of their life and have things good things happen to them, don't always see what other people have to go through and what happens to them. And so maybe sometimes having some of these things that the, that he mentions here might in itself uh, uh, make you a little bit more sensitive to the to other people's uh, life or lack of, of success or maybe uh, be a bit more compassionate about the, the less fortunate. Um, there's so much going on now with television and all, on television and more important than that on the, on the telephone about uh, constantly being barraged with, with options about people um, calling you for all these wonderful things you can buy, how, how, how much they can save you in money, and in some instances, what you get for nothing. But uh, Seven behaviors that can make you vulnerable to fraud. Now, this is for uh, those people who think they have no all the answers, and I guess that's part of it with it. The first one is you respect authority. Many common scams are perpetuated by the crooks impersonating a police officer, an IRS, a social security agent, or a court representative. Always remember this. Government officers really call citizens to conduct business, and they never demand quick payment. If that's what the caller wants, put yourself and your recognition aside to defer to authority figures. Just hang up. And, and, uh, and I can say that... A case that I'm aware of, um, this is a well-educated person who was going through some health issues, got a call one day about uh, uh, amount of money owed in taxes and was, was subjected to a potential arrest for non-payment of, a, of an overdue income tax. And when she was told an amount of money that uh, was requested, um, she didn't have that much money in the checking account. And when they, she told them that, what amount she had, um, they said, well, we'll accept that temporarily, and they did it through her getting uh, gift cards, and that's how they ended up. Uh, and this is someone who uh, had an education and a profession but was going through a difficult time and under a lot of stress in her personal life. And was, and uh, when she did that, it ended up she was so embarrassed, she, she told almost nobody about it. So it happened, and then she just tried to put it behind her and— uh, People that should have been told and she should have maybe talked to them ahead of time, um, they didn't find out it at all, except for a couple of people that she mentioned it to. And she did it with, <clears throat> as as a situation where she was explained how embarrassed she was to think she could be fooled. But that's uh, respect authority is one. You like to please people. One scam we've been seeing hits people at work and plays on your good nature. An email from a boss or a coworker asks you to buy some expensive gift cards and take photos of the front and back of the card to get reimbursed. The email is actually from a scammer mimicking the real one. Once he has the number from the gift card, he uses them before the, the fraud is caught. Uh, another attribute of someone who is vulnerable to fraud, you are cocky. We often hear from victims, I've never been defrauded before. I thought I was too smart. If you believe you are immune to being cheated, think again. Scammers are professionals and endlessly creative. You slipped up once. That's number four. Sadly, if you have already been scammed, chances are good the fraud will increase. Please put your information on a victim's list that gets sold to other scammers or criminal rings. You're friendly. Many victims who call us meet their scammers on a social media via a friend's request. Try to limit social media contact to real friends and family and turn down requests from people you don't know. You are under stress, and that goes back to that woman's story that I mentioned to you. 
We also get lots of calls from people who are tricked into giving away personal information while dealing with an illness or another stressful event. People who have recently lost a loved one are also vulnerable, especially if the obituary provides detail that a cook can use as bait. Be especially vigilant during time of crisis. You're lonely. And this one, I think, works uh, most effective for the people that are, are trying to take things that belong to you. The Fraud Watch Network has found that many scam victims report feeling lonely and isolated from family and friends. That makes them susceptible to the fake friendliness of professional thieves. If you feel lonely or isolated, AARP and AARP Foundation have programs to help you connect with people in your community. Go to connect one to effect dot, dot org. Anyway, so that's it. Um, there's a, there's, here's another one. Uh, here's a man with 29 has been sentenced to six years in prison for trying to extort money from retired FBI Director William Webster and his wife, L Lydia, using the Jamaican lottery scheme in which victims are told they have won a prize but must pay fees to receive it. Scammers start off promising things and it turns into a demanding thing, says Webster. Now, he's 95 years old, so maybe that's the reason he get called. That's a frightening experience. Thomas, at one point, that's the one who went to jail, told, told his wife that she would die from a sniper's bullet if, he, if the couple didn't cough up thousands of dollars to collect a fake prize of $72 million. I was forever recall the day he threatened to kill me and that the blood in, on my head would, would, stain, would stay for hours. Well, anyway, the guy went to jail. But that's not always the case. So, anyway, um, I, 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 I'm going to give you one of my uh, <laughs> future predictions. Um, one of the unique talents, uh, qualities, and um, privileges the, the a president has is that he can grant pardons to people who have uh, either been incarcerated or who are uh, maybe not even yet incarcerated but are pending. Usually it, it ends up that people have uh, uh, been found guilty, have gone through an appeal process possibly, and then have gone to jail and are in jail and because maybe their life other than that had a, had a, a strong sense of public uh, Support or possibly they were people of high profile, and uh, for whatever reason, the president doesn't need a reason. He can make a pardon, or he can do a pardon for people. And um, one of the things that I recall would with President Bush, the son, um, Gordon Libby was one of his his um, one of his confidants in office, and was found guilty in, in a court process, and he ended up uh, going to jail. What the President Bush did was when he, before he left office, he commuted the sentence, which allowed him uh, to be let, returned out of jail. And uh, so you would have thought that would be the end of it. But fast forward to the current president, and he ended up giving him a pardon, which the big difference between a commutation of a sentence and a pardon is in a commutation, you're, you're relieved of the responsibility or the obligation to finish a term in, incarcerated. A pardon literally wipes clean the, the slate, and for all practical purposes, you're, re, you're uh, reinstated to what you were before you were convicted. And that's, a, that's certainly likely to be um, uh, far more generous and obviously more desirable. But uh, just to give you some quick history, um, George H.W. Bush, in four years, he gave 74 pardons, and that included former Defense Secretary Casper Weinberger. That had to do with the Contra uh, uh, investigation. Now, Bill Clinton was in office for eight years. He gave almost 400 pardons. He gave, actually, the number was a 396. The most striking and one that's unfathomable was to Mark Richard, a fugitive financier charged with tax evasion and trading with the enemy for making oil deals with the revolutionary government of Iran. Now, a quick history of Mark Richards was that his, he originated, his family originated in Europe, and they were Holocaust survivors. Now, he gets to this country, was a very successful uh, business person, ended up uh, being a, a big supporter of uh, the President Clinton, as was uh, Mark Richards' wife. And they were divorced, but she she lobbied the president 
aggressively to, to give a pad to her ex-husband. The, um, the thing most telling about this, most times and almost without exception, the only time pods are granted are people that have gone through the criminal justice system, have been convicted, and are incarcerated. What happened with Mark Richards, he was indicted, posted bail, and I think the bail was uh, like $100 million. He had a huge bail, and once he was released, he fled the country. So he never went to trial. He was a fugitive from justice, and it ended up that President Clinton, of, of those 396 pardons, one of them was given to Mark Richards, who was a, Mark Rich, who was a fugitive from justice, which is astounding. And I don't think it had anything to do with the huge amount of money uh, she, his ex-wife, don or he maybe also, donated to the Clinton Foundation. And I don't think it probably means anything that at one point, at least on an occasion, she slept in the Lincoln Room at the White House. I don't think that had anything to do with the, his decision. But in reality, it was a, it was a, a, a brutal abuse of a presidential pardon of a privilege. Uh, but anyway, he gave out 396 of them. George W. Bush was the father. He gave out 189. And... Uh, one of whom was to a, a, a Brooklyn real estate developer named Isaac Tucci. Mr. Bush revoked the pardon a day later after revelations that this man's father had been a major Republican donor. At, le at least in uh, the Bush's uh, case, um, the eight-year Bush, that uh, he made a mistake in one way by maybe jumping too quickly to give him the pardon, but he revoked it the next day after he f with the connection with the with the Republican Party and donations, but that didn't affect uh, Bill Clinton. He just took the money and did whatever he else did with that Lincoln Room. Uh, uh, Barack Obama, in eight years, he gave two hundred twelve pods, which is a few more than George Bush did in eight years, but far less than uh, Bill Clinton did in in, in in his eight years. And one of the ones that Barack Obama. Uh, gave was to uh, James Cartwright, a retired four-star general who pleaded guilty to lying to investigators about the leaking of highly classified information regarding an effort to stymie Iran's nuclear program. It's kind of interesting. Um, Clinton applied Mark Rich, who was um, sold oil to, to the, uh, the Iran, and uh, this general was uh, pardoned for leaking classified information. And now in this is two years, which is just, um, uh, it's now two and a half years, I guess, closer to two and a half years. This is for Donald Trump. He's only given seven, as, uh, and I think he gave a couple since this article was published, so maybe he's up to 10 or 12. But one of them was uh, Louis Scooty Libby, who I referred to earlier, who was a former aide to Vice President Dick Cheney, who was convicted in 2007 of lying to a grand jury and obstructing justice in a case in, on the leaking of a CIA officer's identity. Um, that was um, the person I mentioned earlier with, with uh, George Bush commuted his sentence but didn't pardon them, and then since then uh, uh, President Trump did. And I will make one prediction, and this is uh, whether he wins the next election or loses the next election. He definitely will do it if he loses it. There are a lot of people sitting in jail now who will be rooting for uh, the current president to get get reelected because I'm sure should he not get reelected, and even if he does lose, he will pardon a lot of those, if not all, if not all, almost all of the people that have been involved in his campaign, whether it's dealing with his campaign account, being uh, appointed to positions in government uh, since he became president, or have been involved with him in the business world from other other occasions. So um, let's take a look at that down the road. And if, you said, if it happens the way I said it, say, gee, we knew this two years ago. But here's a bunch of things you don't know. It's very apropos for what's going on tonight. You have uh, 10 candidates vying for the Democratic nomination going to be on this two-hour program starting at, uh, I think it's 9 o'clock, and then tomorrow night the other 10 will be on there are four who didn't make the cut, so to speak. So there's 
Uh, there's 24 uh, people, all of whom would like to be the nominee for the run against the Republican nomination person who at this point it would appear to be the President Trump. But uh, this is, I bet you didn't know that according to President Obama in a recent article in the New York Times, more Americans are killed each year slipping in bathrooms or running into deers with their cars than killed by terrorists. I bet you didn't know that while a stunning 63% of Americans are willing to support some level of torture of our enemy as a way to g gather information, every single independent expert on terror opposes the use of torture as a way to secure reliable, intelligent information. I find that amazing that uh, in, a, in a society where uh, there's the rules of law and order that we would have so many people think it's okay to waterboard or whatever else is done to, to inflict mental and physical punishment on people to get them to be cooperating in, 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 in the interrogation. I, I bet you didn't know that nine of the ten poorest states are states with Republican governors. I bet you didn't know that the Republicans have set a new voting record by attempting to roll back or kill the Affordable Act more than 50 times. I bet you didn't know the last truly conservative, physical conservative Republican in the White House was President Dwight Eisenhower, who did not lower taxes, did not cut spending, kill jobs, or increase the debt. I bet you didn't know that while the Republicans and their candidates talked the talk on helping veterans, the Republicans in Congress guided the efforts to cut 900,000 veterans and their family from the food stamp rules. And one other one, that I've skipped over some of the others, but uh, uh, I bet you didn't know that if you added all the Republican presidents over the 50 years who have reduced the deficit, like they all promised when they ran for office, the grand total would be a whopping zero. So anyway, that's... Um, Tune in tonight for that. And I, uh, uh, by the way, uh, I, I can't take credit for those uh, statistical, statistical inf that, and other factual information. That came from uh, Michael Goldman, uh, someone whom many of you know from his many years being in the pol political uh, atmosphere and also he's a long, former long-time Auburn resident. Uh, Sometimes when I go through some, I'm, I'm doing that now. I'm, I'm, I'm reading through some of these things that said, well, the do's and don'ts of planning ahead. Well, this is one, uh, this was an article that was from March of 1995. So you do the math, that's a long time ago. And uh, it was apropos at the time because um, uh, it was, uh, March is, of course, St. Patrick's Day is the 17th. And the uh, what the article talks about uh, one of every five, this is at that time now. Then it'd be kind of interesting if you if you garner the information now versus what it was at that time. And th that was at a time when the country had maybe uh, two hundred million people, and now we got about three hundred thirty million people. One out of every five Americans, or approximately forty million people, have partial Irish ancestry, including some ten, ten millions who are purely of Irish extraction. Up to 34% of the population of Malden, um, let me see, locally, Irish Americans make up 34% population of Malden, 31% of Medford, and 30% of Everett. Irish Americans in these four communities average a third of the population. In addition, well, anyway, the addition is there. March seventeenth has another meaning, which is of course the evacuation day. But anyway, it was kind of a um, interesting thing, and and uh, I'm not going to go through the whole article, but uh, um, this uh, this was actually kind of an acknowledgement and a reminder to Marlon of the ancient uh, order of Hibernian, which is on Charles Street, and it said that in the article in 1869, 12 people met at the home of. Don of Daniel Deva, the grandfather of former Marlin Mayor John Deva, on Oakland Street, and the ancient order of Hibernian Division 12 was founded. So that would be 31, 131, 150 years ago. So anyway, that's an interesting uh, history, and uh, the article included a lot of other information, but I guess the most important thing that hit my mind was that to think back at that time that a third of Marlin were Irish not only that day, but uh, were Irish to some degree year-round. And um, uh, one other thing, I, if I just have time enough to wrap this up, 
would be. I have a lot of other things, but I couldn't get to them all. Getting into the 800 Club is tough. Staying is tougher. Now, you know what the 800 Club is? The 800 Club is that there's a, a credit way of evaluating your ability to pay your bills and how well you manage your finances. And um, this consumer credit scores typically range from 300 to 850. And it was created to give a snapshot to creditors or to uh, uh, on borrowers' uh, payment history. And that helps the banks or other sources that you're applying for credit, whether to approve loans, credit cards, or other financial, other financing. And of course, the other and the big carry out the carrot there was the higher the score you have credit-wise, the, uh, the oftentimes the best interest rates are, are pr premised on what your, uh, your 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 credit score is. Obsessive types keep a visual uh, on smartphones apps that send alerts when their credit score changes. Many fed about making the 800 club, which is what I talked about when I started mentioning this article, and uh, and that's what first you know first class borrowers are looking for the 800. And uh, but the other thing is kind of interesting is that with with credit scores they can go up or down, and sometimes it does without even you being aware of it. About a fifth of American adults with with credit scores have an 800 or more, which is that's uh, that's impressive. I I would think that would be true. Uh, it turns out there were a few benefits from scores past the high 700s. Oh, good, because the last time I looked, mine was 796. <clears throat> I'm not in the 800 club, I guess, unless it's changed since I looked at it the last time. A range of, the high 70s are a range that generally awards borrowers with lower interest rates and higher credit limits. Many, many people with a credit history have scores from each of their three major credit reporting companies, which are calculated for com from consumer credit reports. Scores depend on such factors as paying debt on time, length of credit history, and how close consumers are to maxing out their credit card. And I'm amazed to find out how oftentimes people run balances on their credit cards because in some instances, the, the two things, one is they have a very, high, many of them have a very, the credit cards have a very high interest charge if you carry a balance. And then, of course, the banks or the other credit institutions hope you do because that's where they make the money, not on, on you paying your bill with full. And the, the other thing is that the, even um, sometimes if you have um, a, a late payment, it's possible, the, the, the way those, that system works sometimes is your, your late payment is is the fee for your late payment is more than the payment that you didn't pay on time. One thing to keep in mind, a lot of those credit cards you have, um, they have like a, like maybe if you're a golfer, you call it a mulligan, and that is um, when you um, uh, make a mistake, forget to pay, or whatever reason, legitimate or otherwise, don't pay, a lot of your credit cards um, will give you a, uh, a waiver on a late charge payment once a year. And I'm not saying that's con consistent, but I've found out when I've called for other people and uh, make a case for whatever reason, I've been told, well, we, we would give that uh, waiver for for once a year. The second time, you better have a very good reason, but the first time, they're kind of flexible. And that's important because two things. One is that you don't, make the, you don't have to pay the late charge and you don't get charged for a late payment. But... Anyway, so people uh, who like a, uh, and there are people who have um, uh, a perfect score, which is eight fifty. I don't know how you would do that, because uh, but they they do have people who are with that and who do reach that. And uh, in any event, whatever the scores you do have, you can you can improve or correct them. Sometimes the mistakes you're you're eligible for a free inspection report every year. You can uh, get it from all three of the. The Equifax and the trans, uh, whatever, and look it up in yourself, and you'll find out. And just check if you don't know what your credit score is; it's easy enough to find out. And I uh, appreciate your um, staying with me this evening. I also uh, want to remind you that if you only saw part of the show, we uh, uh, we'll be run on Saturday and Sunday. I, I, I meant to talk a little bit about the the sports arena because the Red Sox have. Um, I'll make another prediction. I'm inclined to think they're not going to make the playoffs. That's my thoughts. So thank you for listening.